Hello, this is Saul Gonzalez, lead pastor of Lifehouse Church, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I believe that through this message, God will encourage you, challenge you, and better yet, change you for the glory of God and for the purposes God has called you. Enjoy this message. So we're talking about the wisdom of stewardship. Really quick, by a show of hands, who in here likes gardens? We can participate, guys. If this is your first time, it's okay. We're going to have a conversation today. It's not a just hear me. We're going to talk to them. So really quick, who in here likes gardens? Plants and all that good stuff, yes. Who in here doesn't like them? Who in here doesn't care? You know, it's like, eh, whatever, it's cool, 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 right? You know, my, my wife loves, loves plants. She, she, she's an amazing woman of God, and she's an amazing mother. But a plant mom... We can kind of, eh. we, we know her gifting and it's not a plant mom. That's the reality of it. She wants to have them and she's just so busy working, grinding, taking care of the house, uh, the, the kids that she kind of neglects it at times. And unfortunately, we've lost a few plants. You know, Somehow we keep buying them, but, we, but it's okay. We're, we're not going to focus on that. But I want you to imagine this. Imagine you were given a garden. Right now, if you can close your eyes, just imagine you've been given a garden, a huge, beautiful, beautiful garden, and you have the responsibility to take care of the garden and ensure that it flourishes. You must decide what to plant, how much water and sunlight to give it, how to protect it from pests, and when to harvest the crops. Your goal is to make the most of the resources you have been given and to produce bountiful harvests. It's your job to take care of that part. I mean, the, the garden. It's your job to make sure it flourishes. And we believe here at Lifehouse that, likewise, as Christians, we are called to good steward of our resources. We, we, we are called to, to do well with what God has given us. And we have been entrusted with time, talents, and resources. And we must do the best of our abilities to enhance and do all that we can for the kingdom of God. Are you with me this morning? We've been entrusted to be good stewards. We've been entrusted with different things in our lives. And and yes, we are talking about being good stewards of our money, but can you be good stewards in all your areas? Can you be a good steward at home with your family, with your children, with your spouse, with the friendships that you have, with every resource that God has blessed you with, because we've all been blessed some way, somehow, can we be the best stewards that we can for God's kingdom? Are you with me, church? So today we're going to be in a story on 2 Kings 4, and it illustrates the importance of stewardship, and it shows us that even when our resources are limited, God can multiply them and use them for his purpose. So if you have your Bibles right there, whether it's your phone or your actual Bibles, can you turn with me to 2 Kings 4? 2 Kings 4, and we're going to be through the verses 2 and 8. I'll give you just one moment as you can, if you have it. If you didn't bring it, don't worry, I got your back. We got them right here. So it's the story of Elijah meeting a, a widow woman. And I love this verse because this, this chapter, because it shows Elisha is there. He's a prophet and God uses him to talk to people in the Old Testament. That's the way it worked. 
um, God would speak to a prophet and the prophet would speak to us and we would speak to a prophet and then he would speak to God, almost like a three-way call, but you couldn't really talk to God. You would just focus on the prophet, but, but he's there to, to talk to the widow. But I love that the verse before, the, the chapter before, which is chapter three, Elisha is, is with kings, right? Kings and, and they're going through war and he's there with, with some important men of God and some important people in general. Um, and he's with the kings. And then the chapter after the widow, he, he's with a, a general in the army. So he's with these important people throughout life. And, and God is trying to talk to these important people. But in the middle of it, in the sandwich, right? Right in the middle is this woman who's a widow. She has lost her husband. And she's crying out, seeking help from God. So we'll read in in verse two, it says, um, the wife of a man from company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. Aren't you glad we don't live in a world like that anymore, right? Where, where even when we have a little bit of debt, we, we don't have to give up our children. But in this case, she is crying out to Elisha saying, I don't want to lose my children. And my husband who's died ha- has accumulated this debt. I don't know what to do. You've ever been in a situation where you just kind of don't know what to do? You ever been in a situation where, where you're not sure of how things are going to plan out? And you're questioning everything and you're trying to find a way to get through this, but you do not know what's going to happen. And, and I think as we're talking about being good stewards of, of finances and money is that we have to realize this. The reality is that I don't think we have an income problem, but we have a spending problem. So, so, so it's not so much that, that, that you have a problem because you don't make enough, I, I think is we, we don't know where we're spending too much. In other words, we don't know how to stay in our lane. Just because old boy has everything doesn't mean we need to have it. We shouldn't be jealous. And I know sometimes we're trying to keep up with the Joneses and we're trying to do our best, but, but, but can we learn to just trust God in what we do have? And I have some statistics for you really quick is, it says the average household debt in the U.S. is now 136% of the household income. The, the, average, the average credit card debt is now $14,517. And credit cards to, to maybe buy toys, to, to buy some clothes, some, some golf shoes, some golf uh, clubs, any golfers in the house, you know what I mean? Whatever it may be, amen. Everybody, I felt your spirit right away, Pastor Pamela. But, but it's all debt we're trying to get, we're trying to do it, and all that happens. It says this, the average 21-year-old owes $12,000. Any 21-year-olds in the house? Yeah, happy birthday, Grace. It is your birthday today. You're 21 now. The average 21-year-old owes $12,000. By the age of 28, they will owe $78,000 in debt. That's what statistics tell us in America. And the number, the average number of U.S. household living paycheck to paycheck is 55%. 55% of households are just living paycheck to paycheck. I made it. Hopefully I get to the next one. Hopefully I get it to the next one. Hopefully I get it to here. 
And in the process of that, sometimes we, we tend to, well, I'll just put it on the card or I'll just do this to get more and hopefully I get through. And, and I understand I've been there. We've, maybe we've all been there some way. And, and today I just want to speak really quickly before I get into the, the main points is, is the danger of neglecting and managing our resources wisely. If we neglect on how to manage, we can come up to one of these situations in our lives. And, and the first one is, that debt can lead to anxiety and stress. Debt can lead to anxiety and stress. You're worrying like, man, I got to make it next month. So I got to do whatever I can to get there. You're starting to get stressed out. You're anxious. You don't know what to do because you're so nervous, hoping, hoping that you can make it for the next month. And that's because we've neglected on how to manage our money. Proverbs 22, 7 the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Those credit cards that we're swiping, we become slaves to them because, man, I got to make sure they pay because they don't care what you're going through. They do not care that, that, that your, your children are sick. They do not care whatever situation. They're just about their money. And they say, well, it's fine. We're just going to increase the payment. You know, the, 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 the interest never stops for situations the interest won't stop. It keeps going. There's a study in 2021. It says it was estimated that approximately 64 of Americans reported feeling stressed about money. With debt being on the top sources of financial stress. If you continue to neglect the resources you have and all that, you will, it, it will lead into anxiety and stress. Second is that debt can limit your ability to be generous. If you're so stuck in it, you're like, man, I, I wish I can give more to my kids. I, I, I wish I, I, I can have a, a future for them. And I can't because I, I'm living so much in debt and I can't even think of the, the, the next generation that we have. Your children, the, the blessings you've been given and it's been so hard or I can't give to the church because man, I, I'm stuck. I, I can't be generous with God. I can't be generous with people, family, friends, just being able to sow into different ministries or, or different charity events. We can't because we're so stuck with all the debt we have when we're living paycheck to paycheck. And Psalms 37, 21, it says, the wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. When you're able to live a life to give, you, you, you live a different way. You live a different way. My third point is that debt can lead to loss of control and freedom. Loss of control. Like, man, I don't know what else to do. I'm so stressed out. I'm so mad. I don't know what's going on. I've been there, man, where you bills are due and you're like, oh, I can't. Don't talk to me right now, honey. Don't talk to me. I'm trying to figure out how to get this money. Yeah, Amazon car keeps going up and up, right? The checkout keeps going up higher, higher, trying to figure it out. But, but we tend to lose control and we tend to lose our freedom. We're, we're not able to, to kind of plan for, for, for a vacation or plan for the future and our next generation. Proverbs 22, verse 26 to 27 says, do not, want, do not be one who shakes hands and pledge or puts up security for debt. If you lack the means to pay, you will, your very bed 
will be snatched up from under you. Continue to put things on your card. Eventually, someone's going to come collect them. Or you can just ignore their calls forever. You know what I mean? Like, well, whatever you want to do. And this morning, I'm not here to beat you up or, or just get negative. Oh, man, you're, you're so bad. You're not doing good. We're all in this process. And, and some of us, have, have, some have been really good with finances. Some haven't. But it's not just, just don't focus on the money aspect. Have you been good stewards in your, your relationships as well? Like God's given you this ability to do something awesome and have you taken the time to be good stewards of your talent and say, you know what? I'm going to offer God this because I think God's after your heart far, far, far more than he's after your wallet. It's the reality of it. But we're not here to tell you, man, you're not giving, so we're mad. No, no, you, we believe God's going to prosper us regardless. We really do believe that. We just want you to have the opportunity to be able to be part of this generous church and how we want to have a heart to love others. So really quick, we're going to go right back into the story. Um, the, the, the widow is yelling to the prophet, help me out. My, my, my husband has died. I'm in debt. And this is what the prophet Elijah says. And we're, we're going to be in verse two. It says, Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? I really believe this morning, God is trying to talk to you and saying, how can I help you? I really believe it, whether it's your circumstances and finances or there's something personal going on in your life, but can you believe that, that God this morning woke you up, got you here just to tell you, how can I help you today? So as the prophet Elijah is saying that, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elijah said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Do not ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour, all, pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another. But he replied, there was not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. We see a story of someone being really crying out in desperation, trying to get God, trying to get the prophet to help them figure out this circumstance. And he gives her instructions on how to do it. Go do this. Go tell all your neighbors, right? Imagine, right? Just how she made me feel like, uh, well, I don't even want to ask for sugar. You know what I mean? Let alone empty jars. You don't know where her situation is, but she does it. And we see that God provides. We believe that God will provide a way for you. No matter where you're at, whether you, you need finance and you need help, God will provide if you are faithful and you have faith. God will provide in your marriage if that is what you're looking for, if you have faith. God will provide with friends and reaching those who don't know about Christ. He will provide. And there's three steps that we believe that you should take hold this morning. Three steps that we believe if you trust God and you do these things, God will eventually in his time will come help. And the first one is, if you're writing notes, hopefully you are, write them down or on your phone. The first one is, can you focus on what you do have and not on what you don't? Many times we're, we're, we're so stuck. It's like, man, well, I don't have that. So therefore I cannot do. 
I wish I could be on the worship team, but I don't have talent. Or I, I wish I could, you know, do this, but I don't have that. And we limit ourselves right away because of what we don't have. And Elijah replies to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil, a little oil. I, I have just a little bit of this. And I really believe that God wants us first to look for the solution in what we do have, not what we don't have. I really believe that. And throughout scripture, we see many people do something with so little and they just focus on what they do have. For those of you who maybe aren't Bible scholars, in the Old Testament, there's a story of a man named David. Anybody know who David is? Yes, if you don't know, I'm gonna break it down for you really quick. Ready? So, so David is just a little shepherd boy and he's one of the youngest, right, with his, with his family and, and he just knows how to attend, tend to, to tend sheep. And on, on a side hustle, he, he does a little bit of DoorDash, uh, Uber Eats, if you want to, you know, I don't know where you're at. Maybe it's Uber Eats or whatever. But, but he does that and, and he's on his way, right, working DoorDash and he's going to go feed his brothers because that's what he's doing. He, his dad, hey, I have this food. Go take it to your, 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 your brothers. Side note, DoorDash is not in the Bible. Just want to make that clear in case. Somebody, Man, he said there was DoorDash and there wasn't. But anyways, he's on his way, right? He's doing what he knows what to do, just following his dad's um, instructions. He goes there and there's a war happening. And, and, and there, his brothers are at war with, with the Philistines. And, and there's a, a huge giant by the name of Goliath, Anybody ever hear Goliath other than the ride? Yes, there's a Goliath in the right. He's huge, he's tall. And David is there and he hears and he sees that, that all the, the, the Israelites are scared. They're worried like, well, we can't fight this giant, right? He, he's too big. And, and they're hearing them talk. They're hearing um, Goliath just bash these guys, talk smack, and nobody's trying to step up at all. And David says, you know what, I'll, I'll fight him. I'll, I'll find him, right? Young little shepherd boy. I'll, he's just out there doing his work and he's not even in the military yet and yet he wants to fight. He's not thinking of what I don't have. He's thinking of what I do have. He, he's going off of not what I can do, but what I've already done. You see, David has some experience in going to war. He, he has some experience in fighting. He knows how to throw down. He's not afraid. And, and I love as he's talking to Saul and he's talking to people, they start to say, well, people start focusing on what he does have. So you know what? Let me give you this armor. Well, that way, if you're going to fight, it might as well use my armor. So King Saul takes off his armor and he gives it to him and he finds out that as he puts it on, it's not meant for him. Even though he's getting of what everyone says I should need, even though he's using of the things that everyone feels, I'll be better if I have this. He realizes that this armor isn't meant for me. Many times some of us are, are here going through life expecting someone's uh, a calling or expecting someone's anointing. And in reality, that calling's not for you. God has your own calling. God has a purpose for your life. And what David does, instead of uh, figuring out or trying to do good with what he doesn't have, he focuses on what he does have. And he has his little slingshot and a rock. So I don't have a sword. I don't have nothing like that. But what I do have and the experience I have, I will use. Spoiler, 
he goes into war and he kills Goliath. Knowing a giant that people are scared of, he sees what I do have and he's not focused on what I don't have. And this morning, church, can you focus on the things God has called you to do and stop worrying about the things that you don't have or that people are doing? Are you with me, church, this morning? Yes, can we focus on what God has in your life? So let's focus on what you do have and not what you don't have. My second point, as you write these notes down, and I love this one, is remember, God can do a lot with a little. Some of you know what I'm talking about. That's why you're shouting out a little bit because you've seen it happen in your life. God can do a lot with a little. We focus on what we don't have. We should focus on what we do have. But God says, it don't matter what you have, even if it's a little, I can have the victory. I can make impossible things possible. Second Kings 4, 2 Kings 4.2, it says, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. I don't have a lot. I just have a little oil. I believe that God can multiply our resources when we offer them with faith. Can you believe for what God's going to do in your life? Can you just have a little faith? Can you just have a little bit of oil and allow God to do what he needs to do? You with me, church? Can you believe that? Because God can multiply our resources and all we need is a little bit of faith to help us through. We see scriptures in, in the New Testament. Jesus with his disciples and there's over 5,000 people and he's talking to them and they're hungry. They want to eat. There's no DoorDash there. DoorDash kind of stopped so they don't know what to do. And they're, they're hungry and Jesus believing that with God, all things are possible, not worried, says, well, what do we have? And what is it that they have? They have the five loaves of bread and two fish. This story trips me out. Like it really does. Like maybe I don't have enough faith, but it's like, man, to think, to just see it multiply. Anybody watch The Chosen? The show The Chosen? Some of you, if you've seen that, they, they kind of reenact it and, and it kind of brings a little bit of life, but, but all he needed was a little bit. There's probably around 300 people here just imagine, can we feel it? Imagine 5,000. Because all he needs is a little bit. We have to remember that God can do a lot with a little. But that's not even, there's more impressive things that God does with a little. See, in the beginning, right, we see that God creates man. Oh, he needs a little bit of dirt. A little bit of dirt. And God can make it happen. Can you imagine just God being there? It's like, let me create these beans that I'm going to love and, and I'll just grab a little bit of dirt and begin to make. He breathes life. <laughs> life comes. And there's even greater, the bigger things that he makes. The word of God says in Genesis that the earth was formless. Formless, there was nothing there. That God speaks it and he creates you're telling me the God who creates humans out of dirt, the God who speaks things into existence cannot help you in your situation. 
What, what is your certain finances that he cannot oversee? What is maybe your, your, your broken relationships that God cannot do? My God creates worlds. And we have to remember that, that God can do a lot with just a little. God can change your situation with just a little. He can change everything with just a little. My third point is if we remember God can do a lot with a little, we have to be willing to do your part. So, so God, he's not focused on what you don't have. He wants you to remember that he can do a lot with a little, but you have to do your part. And you have to be willing to, to take some action steps. You have to be willing to, to move forward. In verse three and five, it says, Elijah said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. You want to know a formula of how to overcome difficult times? Here it is. Can you have humility? Can you have effort? So can you say, God, I've messed up. God, maybe I haven't been a good steward in what I've done in my life, but I've messed up and I'm coming to you with a humble heart, realizing I have not done the best. But with a humble heart, I come. And can we have some effort saying, and I'm going to change. And here's the big one. We have to have follow through. It's not just good enough to say you're sorry, have a plan. But if you do not follow through, that's on you. I remember being younger and in school and you know, I wasn't the greatest student ever. And I'd get in trouble sometimes. Um, my mom's like, no, he did get along. But, but you know, when I, I would miss school or if I acted up and, and I knew I was going to get in trouble because they were going to call the house, right? And I wasn't fast enough to get home and answer myself. So I knew it was going to happen. And then on my way there, I'm just like, God, if you can get me out of this one, I promise I'm going to attend Sunday school. I promise I, I'll, I, I will not lie to my parents. God, if you can just help me out. Anybody ever been there? If you take me out of this one, God, I promise. If you give me the lottery, I promise I'm going to tithe. <laughs> two million is all I need. You know, two million. If you can't even be faithful with what you have, how are you going to be faithful with if he gives you things, right? So we have, the, but, but can we follow through God? I promise you I'm going to change and these are the action steps. Can we have follow through church? And I want to give you a really practical, especially since we're talking about money and throughout all the pastoral teams, we, we, we kind of saw this. I believe Dave Ramsey does this, but he, he calls it the ABCs of finances. The ABCs of finances. And, and it's A is we assume responsibility. B is we borrow no more. And then C is we create a debt, a debt elimination plan. 
In other words, I'm going to assume responsibilities. I'm not going to borrow no more. And from here on, I'm going to start chopping down the tree on finances. Maybe I need to get rid of one card. Go one card at a time. That's okay. Just one, have a plan. Have some action steps on what you want to do. And I believe there's also a QR code on that. And if you can, it'll be there how you can get more resources for your finances. But, but I want to speak more than just finances. What are the things that God has entrusted you in your garden? Have I been a good friend? Have I been a good husband? Have I been a good wife? Have I been a good son or daughter? Are you, are you taking care of the garden that God has given you? Because we have to be able to have a good harvest. We have to be able to, to do well with the little God has given us. So can we remember to focus on what you do have and not what you don't? And remember that God can do a lot with a little and we have to be willing to do our part. And if we do that, church, I believe God will come just as he came with David when he didn't know what to do, just as he did when he multiplied the, the, the loaves and the fish, just as he did for the woman who had just a little bit of oil. God, I come to you with a humble heart, wanting you to help me and I will have follow through. And we have to do churches. We have to believe and trust God to keep his word. Because if he said it, then we should believe it. If he has plans to prosper you, then we should believe it. If he has plans to bless you and be with you and never forsake you, then you should believe it. This morning, I encourage you to hopefully you believe in what God has for your life. God often requires us to take the first step of faith. So this woman shuts the door behind her in the house full of jars and all she has is this little one flask of oil. She could have looked around and said, this doesn't make any sense. Some of you are like, man, I don't, it doesn't make sense. I don't know what else to do. And she could have thought that and she could have just done nothing. But I want you to know that the measure of her effect or of her effort was directly proportional to the magnitude of the blessing of God. So what do you think she was thinking when the oil started to flow and fill the jars? Wow, imagine her faith in God grew with every flask. But when did she, but when did, but when did she run out of oil? When she ran out of the jars, what do you think would have happened if she would have had more jars? I think God is just looking at you today and says, can you just have faith and believe that I'm going to prosper you? Can you believe that I have great, great plans for you? And this morning, church, I encourage you to have faith. Thank you so very much for joining us today on the LifeHouse podcast. I pray and hope this message has encouraged, inspired, and challenged you to grow closer to God. If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at LifeHouse, visit our website at lifehousechurch.com. That's lifehousechurch.com for more information or consider subscribing and share it with one of your friends and family. Thank you again for being part of our journey, your journey that will lead you to know God better, grow together, 
and go serve and make a difference. Thank you again. God bless you. See you next time.